Morning, my brothers and sisters. This morning with our gospel today, I hope to channel my inner Baptist preacher to help us just dive into the word today and, and what Jesus is trying to tell us through our gospel. So buckle your seatbelts. All right, so this morning, it's important for us to recognize right now we're at the beginning of November. So I'd say we're in the crossroads of two seasons, a cultural season and then also a liturgical one. So first for the cultural season is we are at the end of wedding season. So 75% of weddings happen between the months of May and October. You ladies out there probably knew that since you're in junior high. Uh, gentlemen, you might not even knew there was a wedding season. I myself was in that category of not knowing there was a wedding season. Uh, <laughs> So wedding, wedding, the, the Lord is uh, speaking to us in a parable in our gospel today about a wedding feast, the wedding feast of heaven. So we'll get to that in just a second. But that other season that we're in a crossroads with, so end of wedding season, and then we're actually about to end our liturgical season. So Advent starts at the end of November, where we begin the new liturgical year. And have you, have you noticed in our readings that we're starting to hear about the end times, about Jesus' second coming? So at Advent, we're starting to prepare for Jesus' birth, but also his second coming. At the end of the liturgical year, there's also a warning about Jesus coming again. And that's what the church gives us also today with our parable of the ten virgins. So let's go ahead and dive into this scripture. So if you have a Bible, or if you have a Magnificat, or if you have a journal, feel free to follow along. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. So when we speak of this wedding, the, the wedding feast, as well as the liturgical season ending, and we're looking at this gospel, this is what we're cluing in on, recognizing that there is this wedding feast in heaven, but then also that Jesus is coming again and all of us will be judged. So whether when we die or whenever Jesus comes again, all of us will stand before the Lord and we'll either spend eternity in that wedding feast with the Lord in heaven for all of eternity, or we'll spend it in eternity in a place that makes Texas summers look pretty cool. So uh, starting off with this context, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So what Jesus is comparing this parable to is a first century Jewish wedding. First century Jewish wedding. So what happened during that time in the wedding? So first off, the husband and wife, they were betrothed to each other. So they gave their consent, their vows, but they didn't start to live together. So they were legally married, but then the husband would go prepare the home to welcome his new wife into. Maybe he needed to build it, maybe he needed to add some things to it. So that's what was happening during this first century Jewish wedding. But also that there was a seven-day feast. So for seven days, the groom and the bride, they were celebrating with their friends, their family, with those in their town. Now, one of those nights of the wedding would be the night of consummation, of, of making the marriage even more official. And during that time, they would have a procession at night to the groom's house, to the bridal chamber. So all the friends and all the family would be there with the bride and the groom, and they'd make a procession until they were ready to consummate the marriage. I don't know about you, but that would just be so nerve-wracking for me. <laughs> Any of you married couples, I'm sure you're already a little anxious, but imagine having all your friends and family in procession and waiting for you to have that act done. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a beautiful custom, but I think that would be a little bit hard for me. <laughs> so we move on from verse 1 to verse 2. 
So we recognize that there were five of them were foolish and five were wise. Five foolish virgins and then five wise virgins. So what are these virgins that we're hearing about? Well, if we look at a wedding even today, we have the bridesmaids. So maid, from our uh, English brothers and sisters across the pond, maid is a virgin. We even hear that in uh, Mary in Scripture. She's the handmaiden of the Lord, that she's virgin, Mary. She's perpetual virgin is what our faith teaches. So also, the bridesmaids that were there during the wedding feast were unmarried women. Even today, many of our bridesmaids at weddings would be unmarried women. The maid of honor is an unmarried woman, but the matron of honor is usually a married woman. Well, then we have the groomsmen as well. And in the first century, the Jewish wedding, they weren't called groomsmen. They were called sons of the bride chamber. Sons of the bride chamber. So those are two of some of our characters that are there as part of this wedding feast and the procession. So let's move on to verse 3. So verse 3, the, the foolish ones, the foolish virgins, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them. But the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. All right, so we keep hearing about these lamps. What do the lamps represent? The lamps, we know that it's at nighttime, so it's important to have your lamp in the procession so you know where you're going. But Jesus gives us this symbol of the lamps as um, our faith life. So recognizing at baptism, we receive this divine light within us, that we have this flame of the Lord inside of us, and that we need oil in our lamps, and our souls, to be able to keep that fan, to fan that flame and to keep it alive. So the oil represents our faith, our relationship with Jesus Christ, our belief in him and his teachings. But not only that, it's also how we live out of our faith. So our works. So recognizing we're called to love God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, to love God, and then also to love our neighbor. So the importance of that oil being our faith, but then also us living virtuous lives, living lives of charity, loving our neighbor as ourselves. So one thing in order to cultivate oil, the church's responsibility is to help the flock to learn the faith, to grow in prayer, to offer the sacraments as a way for you to grow. So this weekend, we actually have the Catholic Services Appeal happening for the Diocese of Austin. So what this is, is the bishop every year asks the people of the Diocese of Austin of Central Texas to be able to give of their own money to the diocese so that the diocese then can support the believers and non-believers of Central Texas through that money and through those funds. So it's a way for the diocese and the church to help cultivate that oil in individual lives. So that's happening this weekend. We'll talk about it more at the end of Mass. All right, moving down to verse 8. So we hear, The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. I don't know about you, but when I read this verse, I was like, Whoa, rude. <laughs> like... These, one, these virgins are not being very nice to their friends who don't have enough oil. Like, what's going on here? Well, the interesting thing is to know, yes, while we're in this life with our roommates, our friends, our families, we should be encouraging each other in the faith, helping each other to grow, praying for each other, doing acts of charity for each other, teaching each other about the faith. But my friends, when the time comes for the bridegroom to return, whether that means that we pass away from this world or Jesus comes back and we don't know the day nor the hour, we're not able to answer for our friend or our roommate or our family member before the Lord. Only what we have in our own lamp, our oil, is how we're able to show ourselves to the Lord and how we'll be judged. So it's important for each of us as we're all on this journey together, this procession together, that we make sure that we're cultivating our own oil. That we're not relying totally on our friends or on our family to do that for us. Especially any of you who maybe are freshmen and you're here. 
Maybe this is the first time you're going to Mass on your own without your parents. And that's you saying, all right, at the end of time, my mom and my dad aren't going to be answering for me before the Lord. I'll be answering before the Lord. So important for each of us to remember that in our own walk, in our faith. All right, moving on to verse 10. We'll skip down a little bit. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. And then the door was locked. So once again, Jesus is reiterating his second coming, saying when he comes again, then the, the sheep and the goats will be uh, divided amongst each other. And those who are, have that oil, have their flames lit bright, those, that oil of faith and charity, then they'll be welcomed into the heavenly banquet. And those who don't, as we hear, the door will be shut. All right, moving on to verse 11. We hear afterwards, the virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Lord, Lord, the Greek words used here is Kyrios, Kyrios. And at the very beginning of Mass, we said Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy on us. So that Kyrios is Lord, Lord, which translated Master, or Lord as in Jesus himself, the Messiah. We also see a parallel of the Gospel. So Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23 where Jesus is talking about how to be a true disciple. And he says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. So that's Matthew chapter 7, then we're seeing reiterated again in chapter 25, where we see the virgins knocking on the door, and they're saying, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. So my friends, that's a symbol for us and a reminder that yes, our faith, our relationship with the Lord is so important, but also that we need to be able to follow the will of God, to be able to live a life of holiness, and that's what God calls us to. That Lord, Lord is not just enough, that also we have to live the faith out in our daily lives. All right, so we're getting to the end of our parable, and I call this Jesus's mic drop. So in verse 13, he's summing up the whole parable through this one phrase as he reminds each of us about what's going on here. So he says in verse 13, Therefore stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. All right, my friends, so we've gone through the scripture, we've gone through this parable, but what are some takeaways that we can uh, take with us from this church and into our daily lives? The first one is the importance of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, Mass is the highest form of prayer, and the church asks us to come every single Sunday, which is great. But what are you doing between Sunday and Sunday? From Monday to Saturday, what does your life look like? Are you developing that relationship with the Lord, taking time for Him in prayer, doing acts of service? Are you treating your neighbor as yourself? Are you coming to the sacraments? My friends, our faith cannot just be lived on Sunday. It has to be lived every single day of the week. And that's what the Lord desires for us is asking for us as well. Also, are we doing the will of God? Recognize that each one of you has a specific plan for your life. That God wants you to live a life of holiness, to draw close to him, to live a flourishing life, to rid yourself of sin. And so when we say, Lord, Lord, it's important for us also to follow with the will of God. That we're living a life of virtue and holiness that he calls all of us to by our baptism. And then finally, one of the final key points is recognizing that maybe some of you feel like the flame inside of your soul is a little dim right now. Maybe you feel like your oil is not very full. 
I know I've talked to some of you over this semester and with COVID, with your classes being virtual or in, the, in person and just a lot of different restrictions that maybe you feel like you're in a rut in your faith. And if that's the case for you, it's okay. We can just grow from that. It's an opportunity us for, to take a step, especially recognizing that we only have a couple more weeks left here before we're going home again. And I know that was a hard place for a lot of you to be in your faith life because you didn't have your faith community with you. So now is the time that we can help in order to fill our lamps with oil. So as we're thinking about this, we should recognize what is keeping us from allowing our flame to be strong in our souls. What, how, what can we do to help fill our lamps? The first tip is, where is this coming from? Why do I feel like my light and my flame is dim inside of my soul? Is it coming from great sin that I'm in? Is it fear, fear of taking a step closer to the Lord? Is it laziness? Is it desolation or a dryness in my prayer of the Lord testing me, testing my faith, knowing that he's close to me, but I can't feel him? Or is it self-pity? We're focusing in on ourselves instead of focusing on God and on others. Or are we so busy with our time and our schedule that we don't make time for the Lord? We're too busy for God. But remembering if God gave us everything in this life, that we would have nothing with it weren't for him. So he should be first in our lives. So first off, recognizing where is this coming from? Where is this struggle, this restlessness, this feeling of a lack of faith? Where is it coming from in our life? And then we can do practical things to help fan that flame into flame, to make it stronger and greater in our lives. So the first way is confession. So if we have that great sin in our lives, to go to confession, to spend some time with the Lord, to examine our conscience, and then go to confession to have our sins wiped clean. Also, it's really important for us as Christians to have good self-discipline. So I was in the pews once back in 2010 when I was at A&M. And yeah, there's sometimes we'd have movie nights or nights where we'd hang out till 1 or 2 a.m. And, and that was rare. But if that's something that's more common in your life, then no wonder you're not able to have time for the Lord in prayer because you're going to bed at 2 and waking up at noon. You know, then you barely have time for classes. So my friends, we have to look at our own lives and say, do I have a structure that allows my faith to be lived? Do I have time that I'm setting for prayer and even times of the day where I can really strive to grow in virtue? So self-discipline is so important. And then finally, that we can be intentional with this time. So if we're feeling that restlessness, if we're feeling dryness of faith, we're like, all right, what do I need to do to be intentional to help fan that flame? Maybe I try going to daily mass. I go to confession. I go for a jog just to get out of my apartment or my dorm, or I pray a rosary, or I tell a friend that I need some prayers. Whatever it may be that we're intentional to help the Lord and cooperate with his grace to fan that flame in our life. My friends, like I said, we only have a couple more weeks until Thanksgiving. Now is the time, as we're on this procession together towards the heavenly banquet, you and I, we have our, we have our lamps, we have our oil. Let's look to the wise virgins as an example of how we can be prepared. Not when you graduate, not once you have a family or once you have kids, not when you're 80 years old. But our parable today tells us now. Now is the time to prepare for the coming of the Lord. And so I leave us with Jesus' mic drop today. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour.
Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and giga.